Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the wee hours of this morning, a powerful earthquake shook the area of Kodiak Island off the coast of Alaska. And there was a tsunami warning that was swiftly generated not only to that area of coastal Alaska, but for virtually the entirety of the rim the, around Alaska, down the Canadian coast, and continued on along the coast of Washington, Oregon, all the way to San Francisco, California. Now at this time, early afternoon, that tsunami warning has been canceled, pulled back. And there is no active tsunami warning except a warning for the immediate area. Nothing has been recognized, identified as an active threat. Well, this earthquake initially was thought to be an 8.2 magnitude earthquake on the Richter scale, that was downgraded to a 7.9, which is still a monster earthquake. My only concern with regard to the canceling of the warnings is of the time proximity to this event, which happened such a short time ago. And the possibilities of there being additional earthquake activity, additional earthquake events, afterquakes, and so forth. But I understand if there were going to be a tsunami directly related to this earthquake, it should have happened by now. But this particular event, this is just one earthquake out of the thousands that occur continually around the globe, one earthquake, the destructive force of an earthquake, an earthquake at sea, perhaps particularly, is so astonishing along with its ability to generate tidal waves, tsunamis, and even just so-called storm surge, can create monstrous devastation. Well, this is an area of fault line. This is where the tectonic plates supposedly, I say supposedly, uh, come together, 
down the coast of the United States, the Pacific coast of the United States. There have been warnings and warnings and warnings issued over the years of monstrous events expected to take place in the offing, in the near future, with statements to the effect that it's not a question of if, but when, and that in fact these events are overdue. The reason that I mention this is because if you put all of these different kinds of dangers together, not only earthquakes and attendant tidal waves, tsunamis, storm surge, but volcanoes, such as the volcano that is going off in the Philippines, together with forest fires, wildfires, brush fires, floods, not only in areas along the Mississippi and Missouri rivers and such, and Cumberland rivers and Gulf Coast, flooding from runoff from extremely great Rainfall, melting snow, hurricanes, and such. Water spouts. Put all of that together, along with killer tornadoes. And you have destructive force that is, in fact, much greater than actual destructive force of man-made weapons of mass destruction. And while it might be thought that, well, weapons of mass destruction can generate destruction which will linger for decades thereafter, That isn't to say that you can't have lingering effects from these natural disasters. Because you can. You can have enormous swaths of land that are burned off, that are scarred for decades. And it is certainly possible that we could have the Pacific coast of the United States of America altered permanently. But we in the United States of America and in the Western world and what used to be known as Christendom we have progressed so far. We have advanced so far. We have become so sophisticated, so terribly sophisticated, so intelligent, enlightened, knowledgeable, 
that we know that anything along these lines that occurs in the natural realm is divorced from any connection to actions and behaviors by mankind. No connection whatsoever. These are completely unrelated. Again, this, according to the chief authorities on whom we wait with bated breath for their great revelations, statements. The, you know the ones, the great scientists and or the exceedingly rich moguls and tycoons and the prominent politicians and those in the media and in the entertainment industry who inform us so generously from their brilliance and their expertise, has no connection, no relation to human behavior, to human actions. Nothing could be further from the truth. But... When destruction comes due to natural disasters or due to weapons of mass destruction in warfare or via terrorist attacks, unfortunately, it is not just the wicked, the evil, the worst of mankind that are affected, destroyed, but it is also the best, the dearest, the most worthy, the most honorable, the kindest, gentlest, most loving, most giving, purest, best-hearted, the best and brightest who suffer as well. During normal times, meaning times when these natural disasters are not causing mammoth loss of life, no matter how terrifying the incidents may be, not causing the amount of loss of life that one might rightly associate with these events. And when multitudes of people are not being slaughtered by weapons of mass destruction, either via direct warfare or terrorist acts, during those times when mere vicious violence occurs and runs rampant, it is typically the dearest and the best and the kindest 
the gentlest, the harmless, the helpless, the innocents that are preyed upon. Yes, there are exceptions. You know, the gangbangers attacking one another. But even in those incidents, we have all of the others that are cut down. This matter of these natural disasters that are occurring currently and which will continue, not just in the near term, but for the remainder of this civilization. We know that they're not related to anything. So, (laughs) no need to concern ourselves about our behavior or anything like that. Meanwhile, terrible, evil things go on. The brain trusts, they give us their word on why things are the way they are, and also their word on what actually is the state of affairs. No, not just in the president's State of the Union address or the governor's State of the State addresses, but in the movie industry, those films which are chosen to be produced... In the media world, what the broadcasting networks choose to broadcast, it's all very selective. And that's not to say that they are all, all of these movers and shakers are all joined at the hip. Not necessarily so. But they make discretionary choices about what to print, publish, produce, broadcast. And for us to imagine that we're going to hear from them regarding coming events, concerning truth of what is currently going on, let alone what lies ahead, is remarkable. And it seems like a great many people do. They look to these leaders to inform them. Right now, the Academy Awards nominations have been announced, and there's much hoopla and so forth about it. The Academy Awards being the Oscars, otherwise known as. Well, do you heed movie reviews play reviews, TV show reviews? Do you listen to the direction, if you will, of these critics and so forth? If, if you see advertisements about this movie or this play has received all of these nominations and then later on has received all of these awards as well as nominations... 
previously, does that move you to imagine that that is a particularly desirable movie or play or TV movie or TV series or documentary to watch or book to read, book to purchase, to download, to so on and so forth? I know it does affect a lot of people. It doesn't affect me, at least not in the way I guess that these things are supposed to affect us. Because for me, I know that these critics' beliefs, values, morals, mores, their worldview, their life perspective, including their sense of humor, their biases and prejudices, which permeate their reactions, their evaluations, their assessments, their critiques, their reviews, are totally different from mine. I know that no media critic is ever going to view things the way that I do. So, as far as viewing, choosing what movies or TV movies or what have you to view, I just use a very simple BIMP system. I look at, okay, who are the cast members? That might not seem like the place to start, but that is one place I start. Who are the cast members? Particularly the principal roles. And what do I read in the synopses? What is the movie or TV movie or whatever described as? And then what are the advertisements that these production companies put out there that they have very carefully crafted and put together? What are those advertisements? What do they look like, sound like, so on and so forth? And who are the companies responsible for them? And, and so forth. You know, and other names associated with them, if you happen to know those, of producer, director, associate producers, writer, screenwriter, teleplay writer, what have you. And it is not a foolproof system. <laughs> no. But... It has served me halfway decently. (laughs) I know, just as I know with regard to the fact that there is no critic out there, no media critic out there that is going to view things the way that I do, so too the chances of any radio station owner, radio network executive, Radio station programming professionals viewing my programs favorably is, I I don't know, it's unimaginable almost, okay? It is virtually unimaginable. And not because they're picking on me, okay? Not because... They've got some vendetta against me or some fool thing like that. But simply because they view things so differently. And because their focus 
is on different things such as profit margins, the bottom line, how many people do we attract to listen or to watch or to view, and so on and so forth. Namely, it's based on bottom line, which some would say is merit-based or meritocracy. But the merit of how much money can be generated from advertising due to viewership or listenership is a very, very different thing from the merits of the programs. Case in point, Howard Stern, Don Imus, Bubba the Love Sponge, and all of those others, of those of that ilk. For years, for decade upon decade upon decade, literally, that many decades, and then some. They've had a free hand to do what they want, to say what they want, so on and so forth, no matter how negative an effect it has on society at large because they generate listenership in the case of those in radio. The same is true in TV. The same is true in movies. And they're given just a pass. You know, they, they get all the resources all of the money, all of the goodies, everything else coming their way because they generate listenership, viewership by pandering to vileness, lewdness, profaneness, perversity. And there are so many that I could include on the list. And I know some will quibble with me. Uh, and others worse than that. But when you hear the term meritocracy, when I hear that, I'm thinking, okay, that is merit-based, as in deserving. Deserving. Well, you shouldn't deserve to be rewarded for doing that which is vile, lewd, profane, and which leads others that way, which influences others for the worse instead of for the better. But in this United States of America, in this Western world, in case after case after case, it does work that way. And the merits of the creative materials, whether it happens to be movies or TV movies or TV series or whether it happens to be news media or radio, radio broadcasting, music, the music industry, 
the merit that is focused on, the merit that matters, the only merit that matters is how many viewers are there, how many listeners are there. And thus we have this fabulous, outstanding success of ghetto rap crap and hip-hop and such as that. It's funny, there was a movie genre years and years and years ago known as exploitation. Well, guess what? All this ghetto rap crap and hip-hop is exploitation. Even that which is in the extreme minority done by the likes of Eminem and so forth. Yes, there are non-blacks who listen to this stuff and who have it on their radios blasting away as they cruise around. But that's to their discredit, their shame. But meritocracy, merit, merit-based, should require that the Creative works be meritorious, not merely profitable. If you go back hundreds and hundreds of years, century upon century, you will find artists, composers, scientists who throughout and writers, novelists, screenwriters, so forth, who throughout their life essentially had a subsistence existence, scratched out an existence, or who on the side, in addition to their wonderful, outstanding creative works, did lesser commercial work in order to survive. So many greatly gifted, greatly talented masters of arts and music and so forth did not enjoy material success during their lives and did not enjoy popularity during their lifetimes. And this was true also for inventors, for scientists, for inventors, and again, novelists, writers. Despite the merits of what they created. And meanwhile, myriad not mere mediocrities, but much lower than mediocrities, enjoyed luxurious, popular lives. Which brings us back to life is not fair. (laughs) Life is not fair. But would you rather be one of those 
whom TV has been full of for decades and decades and decades, and the movie industries have been, and radio broadcasting has been, would you rather be one of those who, best-case scenario, does work that is not of value, but who are able to earn a very nice income? Or worst-case scenario, do work that is dishonorable and harmful to society as a whole and make a very rich, luxurious living doing so? Would you rather that? Or would you rather be one of those who ekes out a living but produces works that are honorable and worthy and useful and good and God-honoring. This applies across the breadth of mankind and his endeavors, including pastors, ministers, evangelists, and the like. Without going into too much in the way of specifics, there are missionaries, native missionaries, otherwise known as national missionaries, and pastors and evangelists around the world who barely are able to keep going and suffer terrible persecution and in many cases are martyred. And when I say martyred, I mean actually, factually martyred. Torturously murdered by destroyers, typically Islamists, communists, fascists, and so forth. And those who worship all manner of satanic false gods. And then we have some pastors, some ministers here in the United States of America, some of them with comparatively larger churches, some with much smaller congregations, but who seek to honor and obey and worship God and be faithful ministers of the gospel. And then we have some others who have succeeded brilliantly, but who do not faithfully communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, again, you find this kind of dichotomy across the spectrum throughout society. How many politicians can you think of who are people who first and foremost you think of them having outstanding character and integrity And how many instead are something far, far, far less than that, and in fact injurious to the nation? I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done, in case you missed the introduction. And whatever you hear in this program that you find to be worthwhile or praiseworthy, that's thanks only to God Almighty and His Christ Jesus. And whatever is sorely short of that, lacking, 
That's thanks to me. Before I come back here to the United States of America and some things that are going on here at this time, let me just comment on things across the pond, as they say. Over in Britain, over in jolly Great Britain, we have the pending, greatly anticipated royal nuptials of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And Prince Harry is extremely close to Prince Philip. Yes, there are great many decades between them. Prince Philip is getting along well into his 90s, and Prince Harry is a vital, healthy, strong specimen of a young man. They have a great deal of closeness between them. Prince Philip being the husband of Queen Elizabeth. And while I normally would think well of that, in this case, it makes me feel just a wee bit squeamish. Not that I'm concerned about what the royals do, who the royals are, and so on and so forth. But as I've mentioned before, Prince Philip, his worldview, his life perspective, is so exceedingly, ruthlessly, viciously anti-humane in line with the life perspective worldviews of so many of the movers and shakers around the world. who are focused on enslaving the people of the world and greatly diminishing the world population as a goal, an objective of their efforts. We are focused so much here, and understandably so, on matters, when I say here, in the United States of America and to a lesser extent in the Western world, so much of the focus as far as concern, anxiety, fear with regard to destruction, such as weapons of mass destruction and so forth, so much of that focus is on the Islamist regimes, rightly so. And other of it is focused on those rogue regimes, such as North Korea's communist Kim regime. Very, 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 very little is focused 
on the communist Chinese regime. A bit more is focused on the Russian Federation of Vladimir Putin, his private regime, personal regime. But virtually none is focused on a coming world regime that eclipses all of those put together. And there is a coming world regime. And it is not limited to an Islamist, Islamofascist regime. It is not limited to communist regime. It is more akin to fascism than anything else. And it is going to have its share of leaders whom in the Bible are referred to as kings. And if you look around the globe, you look at royal families, monarchies, you don't see a lot of power. You see principally ceremonial situations. A lot of ribbon cutters out there. And those who are active in the sense of some sort of celebrity service. Not only cutting ribbons, playing polo, being seen about town and having opulent weddings and maybe some colorful extramarital goings-ons with various celebrities and non-celebrities and so forth, and of great fascination to the great unwashing masses, <laughs> such as uh, those comprised by people like myself, if there are any people like myself. So, Prince Harry is just one in this royal family, he and Meghan, who are due to be married Soon, but his closeness with dear Prince Philip certainly causes me to think that he sees things similarly to dear Philip. Now, mind you, Prince Harry is not due to ascend the throne anytime soon. Okay, there are many others ahead of him in the pecking order. Ahead of he and his brother William, and so on and so forth. But anyway, it's something that we will be seeing much about the royal family of England and about tears of the royal family. And when I say tears, I'm not referring to tears that roll down your face. I mean, others like. The Duchess, Sarah Ferguson, whom Prince Philip loathes, as it turns out, and her daughter, Princess Eugenie, who is going to be having a wedding soon, too. Coming back across the pond 
to a company that is a giant in the United States of America, but also reaches around the globe and has operations around the world. Amazon, there's been much to do about where their new headquarters is going to be. And when I say new headquarters, I don't mean supplanting their current headquarters. I mean in addition to, an additional headquarters. Well, a list was released here a bit ago with regard to the cities that are still in consideration, in active consideration for a second headquarters for Amazon. And if your city didn't make the cut, well, sorry. Uh, You'll find that most of these on the list are major metropolitan areas. You know, the New York cities and Los Angeleses and Chicago's and so forth. But some of them are lesser, still major cities, but not major metropolitan, not that. Instead, they are what you might call up-and-comers. So major cities, but that are enjoying growth spurts. Most of them are along the East Coast. There are some areas that are designated which are not cities, but which instead are counties or areas, such as Montgomery County, Maryland, Northern Virginia, along with Washington, D.C. So that whole beltway area, around the beltway, in the beltway and around outside of the beltway, is under active consideration, which is interesting because of the political ground zero, if you will, there. Interesting that that would be major consideration. Well, there is very significant tech development and infrastructure in those areas. And the federal government is the major employer, followed by contractors for the federal government. And I am certain that that factors into Amazon's thinking here. There are some cities across the South and a couple more in the Midwest area. But the majority of them are East Coast cities. And East Coast and the Northeast and New England and so forth typically are not growth centers. For the most part, they're not. It's an area that has been experiencing more in the way of decline, along with the loss of major industry, heavy industry, and other similar types of employment giants of industry, what have you. 
Now, as far as why a second headquarters, I'm sure there are many compelling reasons. But one reason could well be, and seemingly would be, to protect against their operations being devastated by natural disasters or other than natural disasters. Namely, their focus of operations, their headquarters, has been West Coast. And perchance, they are looking at these other areas so heavily because of perceived vulnerability to both natural disasters and other than natural. Speaking of natural disasters, it was terrible floods of a different type, mud floods, if you will, heavy rain in Southern California. And this was following right on the heels of the devastating fires, which destroyed the underbrush, the foliage, and so forth, the trees, the bushes, and what have you, ground cover that could keep heavy rains from turning hillsides into mud flows. And here just a short time ago, the city of Mendocino, I believe it is, make that Montecito, California, which is east of Santa Barbara, it was devastated. And many people lost their lives, young people. At least 21 died. And I saw a story about a, a young woman, a beautiful young mother, whose body was just found. And a child of hers and a sister-in-law of hers also died. Meanwhile, in Southern California, southeast of there, in Riverside, I'm sure you saw, you have heard these horrific accounts of this couple who systematically, torturously starved their children, I believe 13 children. And the fairness of life, or lack thereof, the oldest of their children being 29, the youngest two years, the only one that was not horribly malnourished, undernourished, was the two-year-old. But they have tortured their children. What's going to happen to them? Well, 
even if they had kidnapped all of these that they did such monstrous evils to for years and years and decades, even if they had kidnapped them, they would not be eligible for the death penalty because we don't do that sort of thing here in the United States of America and the Western world and former Christendom. We do not execute people for committing such heinous crimes as this couple has committed for decades. <laughs> no, no, we, we are beyond that. We are so far advanced. We don't do things like that. But meanwhile, wonderful people die as the result of things such as these terrible mudslides and such as shootings at schools. There was a 15-year-old girl. She is alive, last I saw, but she was targeted by a vicious 16-year-old at a school in Texas. He shot her in the cafeteria. He fled. He was caught. He's apprehended. But interestingly enough, a young woman named Cassie Shook, who is 17, she said the following concerning this wonderful young man. There's no such thing as bad boys, remember. She said that she had complained about him at least twice previously to school officials, including to a vice principal. She said that he made a hit list while he was in eighth grade. And her name was on it. She said that last year he threw a pair of scissors at a girl. He also threw a computer against a wall. And police came to talk to the class. He was removed from school, but then was allowed back in. And now he has targeted and shot a 15-year-old girl. Well, that certainly wasn't foreseeable, was it? No, no, no. We handle things so well here in the United States of America, don't we? Meanwhile, elsewhere in Kentucky, a couple hours north of Nashville, Tennessee, there's at least one fatality, several others injured, thanks to a would-be mass murderer. The point is there are signs. These things which seemingly come out of the blue, you will find time and time and time and time again, there were warning signs. There were red flags all over the place, and they were disregarded disregarded by bureaucrats, by school administrators, by school officials, by teachers, and by law enforcement. And it is only after 
there is a body count. It is only after these murderous attacks have taken place that then there is any kind of focus on what should have drawn all kinds of attention prior to that, as is the case with this monstrous couple who've committed such evils against their children. But again, capital punishment out of the question. We don't do that sort of thing. We're better than that. As dear old Barack Hussein Obama would say, we're better than that. We don't do that. We don't execute murderers and would-be murderers. We don't execute torturers, enslavers, destroyers. It just would be so wrong. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? Whether there actually is some connection between our behaviors, our actions, our dereliction of duty, and what takes place around the globe. Until next time, thank you.